What problems do the Washington State Cougars present for this Utah Utes football team? We're talking about it on today's show. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms. Also want to greatly appreciate and thank you guys for helping us to reach over 500 subscribers on YouTube. That's something we've been working towards for a while, so we greatly appreciate all your guys' support to the channel as well. Can't tell you guys how much that means to me. Today's episode is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Utes and Washington State Cougars right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for the price you'll love. Try it today. So head over, guys, and check out Sling TV for some great options. My name is JT Wistersale and excited to be joined on today's show as we're going to be breaking down Washington State, a couple of Coach Witt's comments, and what the bye week affects Utah is friend of the show, Brian Brown. Brian, looks like he's going to do a Chris Collinsworth slide in. Yes, he got it. He nailed it. I was going to try and do the slide. I'm not sure I'm I'm as smooth as... uh... As Chris Collinsworth, but uh, as a broadcast veteran, I expected you to nail that, and you did perfect. I love it. You nailed the slide as well, by the way. Very smooth. You didn't overshoot. You were right. You were slid right in. It was very smooth as well. He doesn't do that with Tariq. Uh, Collinsworth doesn't do that with Tariqo anymore, by the way. So he kind of he retired it for uh, once now that uh, Al Michaels is gone. So definitely something interesting and something I appreciated that you did coming in there. Yeah, you know, I think he did it like once and like just an homage, like a shout out to Al. So, uh, you know, that's that's my shout out to you, JT, and and my level of excitement of joining the podcast today to talk about Wazoo Week. (laughs) Wazoo Week. It is. Yeah, we got red versus red teams, hence why you decided to go with the red red lighting as well, I'm sure. (laughs) We're getting fancy up in the, uh, you can see, I don't really have drywall back here, but we got mood lighting. So things are really prioritized in the new office. Oh, I love it. But this is an interesting Washington State team because just looking at it, so they beat Idaho in week one. Idaho has a new head coach in there as well. The Vols, Big Sky, shout out to the Big Sky. Um, they beat them narrowly in that one. So people were like, they got no shot going to Wisconsin. And then they win in Wisconsin. Now we know this Wisconsin team isn't as good as they were the 19th ranked team when they beat them. They're not the 19th ranked team anymore, obviously fired Paul Christ as well. And a lot of things have gone on from there, but then beat Colorado State nearly beat Oregon 44 to 41. We're able to beat Cal 28 to nine in that one. Then two straight losses, one versus USC 30 to 14, and then lost at Oregon state 24 to 10. We know how tough it can be to play the Beavers at home after what happened last year, but it's an interesting Washington state team because they do have one of the statistically as Kyle Whittingham mentioned the top defense in the conference as well. And they got playmakers, got receivers on the outside. And then more than anything, it's Cam Ward is the guy who sets up those playmakers to make plays. He's a guy, a lot of people were hyped about coming into the season and he's been pretty good overall. He's been up and down as well, but he's the kind of guy that you just get him in the right matchup, the right day, right kind of night for him. He can make plays. This is going to be a fun matchup for the use. It, it is. I think it's a unique matchup in the sense that, you know, both teams coming off a bye week, right? And, and both teams are still trying to figure some things out for the season. Utah's trying to establish their run game. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later when we go over the, the press conference with Kyle Whittingham. But Utah's trying to find their guy. And, and there's been a lot of different things going on with that. Uh, I think when I look at this Washington State game, I think what really sticks out to me is that this is a team that's still looking for their marquee win this season in conference, right? Mm-hmm. Went toe-to-toe with Oregon, 
right in there against USC, had some bad luck, some bad calls really even go against them too. I know everybody loves me pointing out how the officiating factors into this, but it does, and it always will. Yeah, imagine that. Pac-12 officials, it never trends. Um, But I think the fascinating part about it to me is what happens if Washington State wins that Oregon game? You know, and and we never really talk about confidence factors as, as like a it's not a statistic, right? So we can't measure, we can't rate it, we can't rank teams when it comes to confidence. But I have to think to myself, if Washington State wins that game, are they suddenly undefeated throughout that conference schedule and this is a completely different situation? Uh, and that's, I think, how you have to view this the the threat level of Washington State. The, you know, threat level, we won't quite say midnight, but threat level on the road upset coming off in an emotional win against USC. And we saw what happened last year with Utah on the road against USC, emotional win, dropped the ball against Oregon state. Right. So, so there is a lot of, I'm not going to say that Utah can't beat Washington state, but I think you pointed out that this team is very similar to what we saw at USC, maybe uh, a USC light in terms of their offensive schematics. I think their offensive line is, is probably better than, uh, most people would think they don't do a ton in the run game, but I think Cam Ward really is the catalyst and and we've seen Utah struggle with athletic quarterbacks. So it's a unique matchup for sure. I think the real unique part about it is going to be Utah's offense on the road against this Washington state defense. Yes. Yeah. As we talked about, you know, some of the statistics as Kyle Whittingham pointed to, and you brought up some other ones before we even started recording that don't necessarily say they're the best defense in the conference, but they're definitely amongst the top three and they do a lot of things. Well, one of those being rushing the quarterback, they have 20 sacks on the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how Utah can protect cam up front. And I do feel like the way to beat this team, and we're going to spend a lot more time breaking it down throughout the week on locked on Utes, but is to be patient in the passing game, take what's open, continue to just look for guys like Dalton, let them beat you over the middle. Look for Solomon Nines. We talked about it. Solomon Nines had, six catches for 60 yards and it felt like he had so much more than that because every single one of those catches same at such a big moment and critical point in the game so i think that's important for this utah team is be able to be and willing to take how what's given you in the passing game and defensively i think it'll be interesting to see how this utah secondary does against cam ward i expect them to have a good game personally i think they're going to do a good job on the outside i still think the secondary is really good and obviously what a lot of utah fans are going to be looking for is how is the pass rush improved coming off the bye I think another thing a lot of Utah fans have questioned about is what's this running back room look like at the moment? And Coach Winningham said they got it, they got it figured out, but didn't really provide an update and really didn't really name names as it pertains to this. So as it comes to this Thursday's game, I expect to see a lot of Makai Bernard. I, I'm not really sure what to make of the whole Tavion situation right now, so I'm not going to comment on how much or how much we will or won't see him. As we talked about on last week's show, we said that at the moment, this team has to prepare for the possibility that Tavion's not going to be there. At the moment, it doesn't feel like Tavion's going to play on Thursday night, but we don't know because we're not in there. So we'll wait and see. So I expect it to be Makai, Jalen Glover, and then a little bit of Jaquindon Jackson. But how do you see it shaking out? Yeah, I I mean, I'm, I'm at a loss, I think. And it's it's the new Fort Knox in terms of secrets of Utah football. You know, and, and, and there's a lot to dissect in terms of of what's going on in the running back room what's going on with Tavion and and publicly there has not been a lot of mention of it you know behind the scenes I think there's clearly some 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 issues and and you know that when it whenever it comes to off the field issues I'm always very very careful about what I want to talk about and how I want to talk about it because especially in in this era of modern football where we're starting to realize that so much of what has happened on the field is because of the player's 
uh, mental health off of the field, you never want to speculate too seriously about that kind of thing, right? And we know that Tavion's been through a lot already this year, losing yes. his aunt, you know, the ups and downs of, of, of starting and playing and not playing and everything like that. And so hard to, like, I think you put it very succinctly, it's, it's hard to know what's going to happen with Tavion. And so you really can't count on that. And then when you start sifting through everybody else, Jaquinta Jackson is a recent convert to the running back position. We've seen Jalen Glover uh, struggle at times with finding the hole or looking for the cutback lane, something that you do see from freshmen from time to time. But the, clearly the physical gifts are right there. And then Makai Bernard has been reliable, consistent. He's been fantastic, really, and, and trying to go from a more uh, like kind of Swiss Army knife roll into a, a an every down back, I think is a unique transition for him midseason. Really, what's kind of standing out to me right now is just how important Chris Curry would have been. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy that we really never talked about and kind of overlooked all year long, he would have been so important to this team if he was healthy right now. And so, um, I think that's a unique matchup. I think it's it's a lot of buzz right now amongst the fans. I I have no information that I can confirm one one way or another. And you can bet that Kyle Whittingham and the rest of that group is not going to leak anything to anybody at this point in time. Uh, I guess my question to you would be, how important do you think the run game really is going into this matchup against Washington State? Because I think you hit on a really big point, which is Utah's receiving core, tight ends, Solomon Enos versus this Washington State secondary. Yeah, I feel like it's always important to try to be at least have that threat of a run game still just to put a couple bodies And this Utah team is so effective with the play action pass the bootleg game as well. So it's great when you can get those linebackers to take those couple steps and start to suck them in. That's where you just have to be able to run the ball at least a little bit. And it's hard when you're dropping back every single time. Now, look, it's something this Utah team has proven capable of doing, but I just it's not a recipe for success every single week is not being able to get any production from your running game for a lot of the portion. Like I felt like this Utah team struggled to do in a lot of the last game. So I think you just need to be able to run it a little bit, but make no mistake. This falls heavily this game and the rest of the season falls heavily on cam and the passing attack and this utah team is going to be pass heavy going forward i just think it helps to have a little bit of the run game sprinkled in there well and i think the really important part that you hit on there right there is that this team is going to go as cam rising goes and if he's your leading rusher from week to week it's not necessarily a bad thing because you talked about what with play action what you want to do is you want to freeze those defenders you want them to second guess you want them to think and what utah has been more effective of in the last few weeks is using cam rising in the run game whether it's qb power right with dalton kincaid leading him in the end zone or if it's you know some of the zone read stuff that they've been able to do which allows you to use jalen dixon more versatilely it allows you to use money parks more versatile it allows you to put different elements into the run game and and what i love most about this is that you're using the full five tools that cam rising brings to the table right and i know that's a baseball term forgive me i'm just coming off my uh my padres playoff appearance high but that's really why this offense can can throw the ball the way it does is because if Cam Rising is a threat, and we saw it with Caleb Williams, right? We're talking about it with Cam Ward, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, and and we'll talk about that game a little bit later too. You know, when when he was neutralized in the run in, as a run threat, Oregon really started to dominate against UCLA, and so that to me, I think is is the real key is if you can get Cam Rising to freeze those defenders either with his legs early on or with the zone read, or if they can get some run game going with some play act to get to the play action then that offense is just going to cook. And I think, you know, just to bring up a little stat, uh, 
Washington State's coverage is ranked second in the conference right now at 82.7 uh, via you know pro football focus college stats, second in the conference behind UCLA. And so you know we saw what Utah did and how they struggled when they didn't try to establish their own with Cam earlier on against UCLA. I'll be fascinated to see if this coaching staff makes that evolution going into this week. It's going to be critical. And you're right, Brian. Cam cooking, that's what's in for this Utah mm-hmm. football team. Cam cooking, good looking. <laughs> that's what they need to have and speaking of things that are cooking and good looking it's time to talk to you guys about nissan this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by nissan the thrilling designs behind the new lineup for nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves when i think of unbelievable abilities of on the field from utah's season overall look i know i talked about it last week as a thrilling moment but i do feel like it's the moment of the season is cam rising crossing the goal line on that two-point conversion powering it in rice Eccles stadium erupted it saved utah's season as well and when you're talking about thrilling moments from the season it stands out as the one for me brian 100 percent, and then it's just the, you know, we talk about heisman moments and amazing moments and you know nissan being involved with the heisman that's my heisman house moment for cam yep. rising this season yeah, with the Heisman House was actually in town as well. Steve Smith was there doing a little bit of a thing as well. And I don't know if you saw that, Brian, or not. He actually, like, trucked a fan. Yes. At one point as well. So Steve saw it, loved it. it. <laughs> Shout this out to Agent 89. He still got it. Yes, he does. <laughs> this segment is inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. So, for this Utah team, look, we were talking about the run game a lot, and I think one other thing that bears mentioning in this is Kyle Whittingham revealed that Jaron Kump being in the starting lineup against USC was not because Kump necessarily beat out Mokofisi, because Mokofisi is dealing with a little bit of an injury. So with Kump in there at the moment, and look, he struggled. We talked about it a lot. Even he gave up a couple of those pressures as well, but still was able to still help this Utah team keep Cam upright overall throughout that USC game. And going into enough battle this week, we he didn't necessarily, he just said Mokofisi is still battling an injury. So I personally feel like we're going to see Kump again this week. He didn't necessarily straight out come out and say that we're going to see Kump this week, but that's who I anticipate we'll see. And in that, I still feel like this Utah team can keep Cam upright with Kump in there, but I would not be surprised at all if Kump gave up a sack or two in this game. Well, and it's the bigger part about it is it's Jaron Kump being inserted into a group that's already been working together for most of the season, and that's where you can see him. Uh, let's say not making the grade right, and and once one on one when Jaron is just base blocking, pass protection, all that kind of stuff, he does just fine. What it is is it's the the hand passes, right? The stunts, the twists, the blitz recognition, all the stuff that takes time to develop during the season that he's not been there for. He's trying to get caught up. Now, the good news for Utah fans is Jaron Kump is one of the hardest workers in that offensive line room. I think that's why they're giving him this chance and this opportunity to play guard. And then a lot of people are saying, why don't you just bump him out to tackle? Well, he's a guy coming off two major injuries, right? He has not seen a lot of playing time since he first started the tackle position, what, two years ago? And so what you want to do is you want to introduce him in in a much easier, less pressure uh, environment where you're not going to have critical elements because um, critical elements to success being primarily on him is what I should say. So this is a very common technique with offensive line coaches across the country where if you have a tackle who needs to get some confidence, needs to build some, you know, build up to something and, and, and improve a little bit, 
slide him inside the guard. I did. That's how I started out. I started out as a tackle, believe it or not, in, in junior college. They put me a guard first, and then I worked a little bit back and forth, and I ended up being a guard because uh, I don't know if you saw the meme, you know, the John Daly smoking where Tiger's across from him. Yeah. And it yes. said the left tackle is Tiger and John Daly's the guard. I I got no, I can't, I can't argue it. You know, it's the truth. Like guards are guards. We're the John Daly's of the world. But, you know, at the same time, you and I have talked about this and I've been pretty adamant. And, you know, if I had a picket sign and we're in election season, I would say vote Satao Lomea for right guard right now, because I think that's where he's best. And that's where Utah can really generate some massive movement in the run game. I think he helps Paul Miley a lot more. And I think the better move is to try and get somebody going at tackle who can really sustain that position. Now, uh, the hard part about it, if the coaches prefer Jaron Kump, that's one thing, right? Now, I, I you know, I'm not here to speculate on anything like that, but what I saw from Falcon Kalmatule in the spring game, what I've seen and heard from other people was that he was ready to go, but just at the end of the day, Kump gets the start. They're going to try and give him an opportunity, but I have to ask you this, JT, how long do you think they can really afford to go with Jaron Kump if we see mistakes happening up front on the offensive line against this Washington State defense in a must-win game on the road. I think, personally, if Jaron Kump really struggles, I think you use the Stanford and Arizona games as opportunities where you are the better team in those games and you should be able to hold up. I would use it as an opportunity to move Satawa back to right guard and use Falcon or Jaron. And you mentioned your uh, your uh, push as well. You'd be holding up the flag you mentioned for Satawa at right guard. I know you're also, you are the president of the Falcon Kalmatule Club as well. And I agree. I think I'd love to see him at right tackle. And I expect you would feel the same way if Kump struggled. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if nothing else, I'd just like to see him get a chance, you know, and yeah. and maybe that week against USC was enough to get Jaron lined up. You know, as a player, I made my biggest jump from my from my first season as a redshirt uh, into my first week of spring ball, right? Because you, you'd done it for so long that first week, you kind of got back in sync. And so maybe the, you know, the last six quarters have been enough for Jaron to feel a lot more comfortable and they can kick him out to tackle now, move Satala back inside. I don't know. Um, you know, that's why Kyle Whittingham makes $5 million or however much it is a that's year. And, and, and why I got this sweet beanie from locked on, you know, <laughs> for, for doing it for a year, um, instead. And, but I think these are the conversations that the staff are having. I, these are the, the, it, when I look at like the game, oh, I'm getting out of control. I'm knocking mics over. When I look at the game, notes, away if you do that again, yeah. Brian, Woosa. we're going to calm down. We're going to center tripos, all that kind of stuff. But when I look at the narratives or, or, or the storylines from this game, those are the things that stand out to me, you know, I think in, in terms of importance and, and the offensive line is always going to be a question mark, you know, in Utah fans heads, because what they've seen and, and what's registered as, as it, it, with their bias is that it's not been clean and it's not been productive. It's not been effective. Um, you know, and, I, and I've always said that there's a lot of factors that go into that, that, you know, we can always break down after the fact, but um to, to just really tie this one up, I'm fascinated to see what happens, you know, but knowing Kyle Whittingham, he is very much a, like we stick to the process until the process becomes effective. And so I think that they'll probably just roll with compact guard and, and let him sink or swim and, and give it another game. But, you know, uh, we have seen them make changes before and, and I don't know if Mocha is going to be healthy either, but uh, that's just kind of my expectation for what might happen. Spoken from a Snow College legend dropping the offensive line wisdom there. Love to hear it, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no no stronger endorsement than being an offensive lineman at Snow College. Let's yeah. be honest. It's just me, it's Garrett Bowles, and then it's me, and that's yes. it. That's all you need yes. to know. 
hey, like I said, I mean, we talked about we were talking earlier about how it looked like yeah, I'm, the name's escaping me right now, honestly. Like someone looked like Steve Smith had a little bit left in the tank as well. If you talk to you struggle at guard, Brian or tackle, maybe we'll need to get you back out there. <laughs> uh probably not. <laughs> but but, yeah. but I I would love just stick I would with the love beanie. The, yeah, just yeah, let me wear a helmet. That's all I really yes. need. Just let me wear yes. a helmet on the sideline. That's more than enough for me. But no, it, it'll be a fascinating thing. And, and like I said, I think Cump probably stays out there. I I don't know. You and I pay a lot of attention to it because the offensive line is our forte. But I think you know, you saw in the game on Saturday that even there, though there, there were mistakes up front, the offensive line was still really effective. And I think that's a positive going into this game against Washington State. Definitely is, because as you mentioned, it's another unit that we talked about earlier in the show that is amongst the tops of the conference in terms of pressure and getting sacks on the season. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. And one thing that Utah is going to need to do is they're going to need to hold up in those difficult situations. And that's something that Sweat Block wants to help you guys out with. Guys, I know back in the day when I was in college, given which I shouldn't even say back in the day, it was only a year ago when I was giving speeches and things like that. I know I would love to have Sweat Block with me to help keep that protection inside so I don't show how much I'm feeling the pressure right now. So that's what Sweat Block does a great job providing for you. Brian, is there any moments you wish you had Sweat Block? JT, I once went to a wedding in Florida in the summertime, and I tell you what, if I'd had that sweat block lotion, I would have been nice, dry, and clean instead of having to go through three dress shirts that day. <laughs> exactly. Sweat block would have given you the confidence to wear what you want without embarrassing underarm sweat. Sweat block wipes feature and are tested on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters. They even hold up in those conditions. So if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Thank you guys once again for making Locked On Utes your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked On Sports Today for the biggest stories on the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on Odyssey, the App Store, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brian, one thing we absolutely have to talk about as it pertains to this Utah team is that Oregon-UCLA game. It, what a game it was. Bo Nix was incredible in that one. Silence the doubters, 22 of 28, 283 passing yards, five touchdowns, also had 51 rushing yards on the ground, so well over 300 yards in this one. Was in great command of the offense. Bucky Irving and that offensive line did work in the running game as well. Troy Franklin made plays downfield. He had that nice 49-yard reception for the touchdown as well. So this Oregon defense, whether you're talking about Sewell, Flo as well, Stevens, they got dudes all over the place. They're making plays, and they just got a monumental win against a UCLA team that going into this weekend was the top 10 team. They were the ones we were calling the best team in the cut in the pack 12 excuse me best team in pack 12 and now that distinctly belongs to oregon and i think a lot of people did not think we'd be saying that after the week one shellacking they took at the hands of the bulldogs i definitely didn't, didn't see a boat race happening in oregon the way that it did and it got out of control pretty quickly ucla was just never able to recover but oregon did some things that were, kick yeah it, it, just a, a really excellent well executed game plan by oregon you know talk about bo nixon have his evolution uh, other friend of the show, Yogi Roth, actually mentioned yes. him uh, when he was talking about his, his his book Five Star, which if you haven't had a chance, go get it from Amazon. Yes. Mine came last week. It's incredible. I've already been flipping through it and reading. But he talked about Bo Nix as being a guy that is always hungry to learn and always hungry to evolve. And that must have been what Dan Lanning and that staff saw in him, that what they wanted to bring him in. And you're seeing what's happened. He's really evolving into a great decision maker. You're seeing them maximize his athletic ability. And he really put that UCLA defense, which 
up until that point I thought was probably the best in the conference mm-hmm. uh, kind of to the to the skids and they weren't able to recover and and really jumped ahead early on in terms of play differentiation and every, everything like that play disparity and and UCLA was just not strong enough by the end of the game to hang with them and and what I thought was really fascinating was that they did defensively you know going wide nines on the outside to try and contain Dorian and Thompson Robinson and like you said using the athletic ability of of Sewell and and flow to really control it and it just it took away a lot of UCLA's strengths now what I'm curious to see is was this a one game thing where it's just a bad matchup for UCLA and Chip Kelly just fumbled the ball against his former team he's never beaten Oregon since being in the Pac-12 or is this the real UCLA team that we like that you know maybe they just got lucky against Utah or or, you know whatever I'm not gonna say lucky but no I get you you just really yeah, play yeah. out of their minds against yeah. Utah. It clicked for them. And that's what happens every year is there's a couple games where for the teams that aren't amongst the great teams, let's say the Alabama, the Georgia, the Ohio State, which no team in the Pac-12 is in that level right now, but even the tier below that, you're able to have that all-click consistency. But there's a lot of teams throughout the season where one day it will all click and come together. And that's what UCLA is going to have an opportunity. We're going to get to see because they got to take on USC again. Oregon has to do it again against Utah as well. And Oregon also, just no team has gone undefeated in Pac-12 play since Utah and Colorado joined the conference. So as crazy as it seems right now, don't rule out an upset to one of those lesser teams as well. We already talked about it. They almost lost to a Washington State team. So be interesting to keep an eye on and watch and see how that all plays out. And one thing that's interesting for this Utah team is obviously they're going into this Washington State game coming off a bye week as well. And for this Utah team going forward on the season, it's just a nice opportunity when you have basically two extra weeks of preparation. So obviously Utah plays Washington State this week, and then they'll turn around and play Arizona. But because of the way the schedule breaks down, and this is how Kyle Whittingham explained it, was they had they came in Monday. The media spoke with them last Monday. They got Tuesday and Wednesday off. They came in Thursday, and they treated Thursday kind of like a Monday on a normal week. So they talked things over, had Friday, Saturday as well. They got off on Sunday, and then they're back at it on Monday's practice, and Monday's practice practice is getting kind of that initial work, getting more of that work in as well. And then Tuesday's practice is going to be a combination of kind of a Wednesday, Thursday deal. Then with Thursday acting as the Friday, Wednesday acting as the Friday, the travel day, and then flying out and, and then taking on, of course, the Cougars on Thursday. And with that, then you have another extra week as well to prepare and get ready for an Arizona team as well. And that's kind of a game where originally I think a lot of people going into the season thought that could have been a trap game, but now seeing what Arizona is, you're the better team there, but it's another opportunity. Just this stretch is critical for this Utah team to shore up some of the things they've fallen short on and really make a run at a Pac-12 championship and even a Rose Bowl as well. It's going to really hinge on the developments and the strides they can make as a team with all this extra practice time they're getting. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the really nice thing about it is you've got all that extra time to get healthy. And like you talked about, you know, do some developmental work with the guys who need the developmental work. Um, you know, it is advantageous to get the Thursday night game coming off of bye because you get some guys off their feet. But it, the reality is, is like, as I look back on a player, I was like, oh, man, I looked forward to the bye week so heavily. But then that week after the bye, if we were off the entire time, it was so rough. It was. And so you kind of don't want too many days off. Like, and especially now as, as, as I've really kind of like honed my mindset and thought about you know, uh, things that I should have thought about as a player, uh, you, you only want a couple days extra rest, right? But the big part about it is, is that you're kind of in that stage of your schedule where every game really matters. So you've got to go out and give your best and, and win. But at the same time, like you said, the opponents that you're going up against are not 
you know, the, the, the ones where it's, I don't want to say insurmountable because um, every game is winnable on Utah's schedule, but where you really have to compensate for talent disparities, right? Like I think across the board, Utah's better than Arizona. I think across the board, Utah is likely better. You know, my, my head coach used to say our best against their best, we win. And I think for every team outside of maybe Oregon, that's the case for Utah. And, you know, that's probably the biggest sign that it's a bye week is that Kyle Whittingham spent like three minutes of a 10 minute press conference talking about that. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's something that, I mean, I don't know how much we can break it down <laughs> other than just knowing hope, hopefully it helps some of these guys get healthy and get some rest. You know, Dalton Kincaid's probably nicked up. Cam rising is definitely going to be nicked up, but he's, you know, he's playing through it. Maybe you get a Michael Mokafisi back hard to say. And again, you know, Whittingham has been very clear about this. He said, until they make me talk about the injuries, I'm never going to talk about injuries. And so, you know, here we do our speculation after uh, press conferences and have fun and hang out. And it is what it is. It is what it is. Was there anything else from the press conference you thought was interesting, Brian? Not particularly. You know, I yeah, think it was, I it was what you said. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to say if there was anything else. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it was really kind of like, well, we're here. I, you know, we're supposed to do this. How advantageous for Kyle that like he doesn't have to do it the day at, or the week after the USC game gets rolling here and everybody else is kind of slow because we're all coming off the bye week as well. Right. Yeah. And I think you kind of tell there weren't some there, were, there weren't the normal zingers from the from the media that, you know, in you know, we didn't go deep into the Tavion issue. There wasn't much follow up with the Mocha Fisi stuff. And you know, that's one of those things where I, I always kind of want to like raise my hand and be like, Hey coach, idiot, you know, in the basement here, uh, what would you do about, you know, possibly moving offensive linemen around? But uh, again, you know, it's it, middle of the season. You know, I think everybody's kind of that point where, where we're just setting and, and rolling and, and people just want to see Utah win games. And, and so uh, there's not, not a whole lot to read into any of that stuff. No, there's not. And that's one thing that's important to remember about this show and all of the Locked On platforms is that we give value to those idiots in the basement who like to have opinions like you and I do as well, Brian. So look, this is a game versus Washington State that if it had been Utah played USC on Saturday and then turned around in a normal Thursday game, I would have been really concerned about it. But I feel a lot better about it now that this Utah team's had the bye week, been able to calm down and get ready for it as well. How do you see it playing out Thursday? Well, I, I don't have it on hand, and I probably should have done some more prep, but Kyle Whittingham has been incredible coming off the week of a bye, and so you have to know that this team's going to be ready. That's one of those processes that they've really got refined and down uh, down pat. And, and, you know, Kyle Whittingham with any extra time to prepare is a, is a very scary sight to see. Perfect correlation for a uh, Halloween Eve uh, football game. Um, not exactly Halloween Eve, but the week of Halloween. Yeah, it's it's scary season all month long here in October. So, um, you know, I, I, I imagine that the boo report up there in, in Wazoo is, is going to be through the roof, expecting some scary stuff from Kyle, Kyle Whittingham. Um, but I, I just. It, when I look at breakdowns and positional groups and things like that, you know, at the end of the day, it really comes down to who's who's behind the center for you, you know, yeah. if things are kind of evening out. And I think the Cam Rising is a far better quarterback than Cam Ward. Uh, you know, we've seen Cam Ward do some really fantastic highlight level things, but he's still working through a lot of stuff that you said. And, and you know, I think that's a great matchup. Cam Ward against Clark Phillips in that Utah secondary. You know that they're going to be hungry. And, and even more so that Utah defensive line, there's a lot of pride in that group. They're not going to have taken that two week break of, uh, or that week off, you know, 
break from from practice lightly and i guarantee most of those guys got in there got more work in and they're going to be hungry to come out and prove themselves and so i think you know utah takes this one um but it's going to be a competitive affair and and every game from here on out really is it is going to be a competitive affair it's why you see the line at this game only at eight for this utah team and i look it's we're gonna have a lot of time this week to talk more about this game but it's one i feel good about utah's chances as well so brian always appreciate you joining us if you guys want more from brian make sure you guys head over to twitter and follow him at brown bear soc as well and appreciate you as always my friend coming on and helping us get the ball rolling so that we could reach 500 subscribers Man, like 500 now, 1,000 next week. We'll be yes. up to like, you know, 20,000 here in, in just a couple of weeks because uh, I know people love their Utes and, and no better place to get it than Locked on Utes. Yogi Roth is listening. How are you not listening? <laughs> exactly. And, then, and as long as I'm out here just ranting about stuff, why aren't you tuning into uh, KSL Rewind on, on Friday to watch us hey. do? <laughs> we always have a lot of fun out there we hopefully will have a good game this week haven't yet on the season but things will hopefully be changing in our fortune for that one so appreciate all of you guys for listening in to locked on news today if you guys are in the market for a second listen of every day you guys know you can check out the locked on pac-12 podcast but also make sure you guys head over and check out locked on sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you guys keep it with Locked On Utes all week as we continue to break down Utah's game versus Washington State, but that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Utes. We'll see you tomorrow.